It's available. I want you to note with me the topic. Repeat it with me, please. Say, building, building. a better foundation. foundation. I'm answering a question this year, and the question is, how do you build a better path for your life? The answer to that question has been, number one, build a better you. If you improve you, you have a chance of building a better future for yourself. Secondly, you have to build a better vision. You have to be able to see. Vision is important if you're going to build anything. Thirdly, you have to decide. You have to say, I am determined that I'm going to start over again and do this right. And even if it's hostile, even if it's not simple, I'm determined to build a better foundation. It's when you look at your life and you see your results that you really can make some honest decisions. Look at your dating life. Look at your love life. Look at your finances. Look at your business. Look at your emotional state. Some of us are just under too much stress. Every day is a God help me. I always wondered why Christians were always so sad in their music sometimes. Everything is like a whole help me God. Everything. And I'm thinking, well, if you know him, why are you that sad? Why is it that sad? But I understand that a lot of times it's because of the choices and circumstances we find ourselves in. And so what I want to do today is take you on, a, on an odd journey. This is a journey with um, three, four guys. And these four guys are going to teach us something important. Last week I started and I told you that if you're going to build a better foundation for your life, the first thing you have to do is, is listen. And I showed you how the children of Israel in the book of Daniel were now in slavery because they didn't listen. And, and Jeremiah said that. Jeremiah said for over 23 years I tried to tell you guys and you wouldn't listen. And so now, now the day has come. And so listening is an important part to building any new foundation in your life, changing anything. The second thing you have to do is once you listen, you have to learn. Everybody say, listen. listen. Come on, say, listen. listen. Learn. learn. Say it one more time. Say, listen. listen. Learn. learn. Today is about learning. Learning and being clear about where you are. And, and especially learning how to manage when it's hostile. The study, I want you to understand, is set on stage where you have four guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I just call it Daniel and his three friends. These three friends were godly men. They did not originate. They, were, they, they didn't do anything wrong. These were God-fearing, good people. But they were surrounded by a nation of people who made bad choices. You can be a good person in a family that's making bad choices. And, th and those choices can, can dominate your life. They can control you. They can push you into a bad place. It's like this cold wind I feel blowing on me up here. Y'all feel that? How many of y'all feel that cold wind just blowing all over you? Just, we're trying to keep you awake. We want to make sure you don't sleep on the preacher. But there's this, there's this, um, <laughs> there's this amazing thing that happens when you look at the story and you see how strong and how challenging it is for these four guys to find themselves enslaved because the people around them didn't listen. And that's what happens in families. Sometimes it's a dad, it's a mom, sometimes it's a mom and a dad, sometimes it's a family culture, uncles, everybody created this family environment that you must now function in that's hostile. It's absolutely, horrifically hostile. 
And it's not just that when it's over here on the left. It's just one over here, and it's blowing like a wind. It's, a, it's like the east wind that's flowing, <laughs> coming, coming at you. <laughs> but there's this incredible moment where you see in this text you, this, these four guys struggling, 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 struggling to deal with a new life circumstance. People like to talk about Daniel and his friends. They like to discuss them, but they don't always think about where they lived. These guys were slaves. These guys were captured by the Babylonians, and they took their names. So you imagine if somebody went up to you and, and say your name out loud. Not anymore. It's Bob Franklin. Imagine I just had the power to just change your name. And then to pick you up and move you. You're no longer here. I'm going to move you to New Mexico. I just picked you up and moved you to New Mexico, took all of your stuff from you, your job, your career, your degrees. You're no longer a teacher. You're a plumber now. That's what I want to make you. And I just decide that for you. And here's the deal. Back in this day, you didn't really discuss it because if you discussed it, it was, you know, okay, you either do what I say or you'd be lunch for a lion. You know, you had a choice. And so most of you would say, I'll do what you say. I'm now a plumber. Give me a, <laughs> give, you know, I, I, give me a pipe. I'm not going to argue because once you see two or three people going to lunch with the lions, you decide, I think I'll be a plumber. Whatever they say, there was no discussion. This is a major shift in life. This is a hostile environment, and this is one that they did not cause. It is hard to be dealing with a challenge you did not create. It is difficult. Kids feel that way. They look around their family, and they go, this is a mess, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't start it. I was born in this group, and I am trying to manage it. Some of you got into a marriage, and you're not planning on getting out of it right now, at least not today. And so now the question is, what do you do? What do you do on a job you need today? You can't quit. How do you manage in this? That's what these four guys are facing. We like to, you know, in Christian terms, we like to talk about the deliverance part of this. And so we have a very skewed view. Now, what I want to do is read a statement to you, okay? And I'm going to read it because um, <laughs> it's missing a preposition. So if you just don't worry about that, just ignore that. But watch what I call my, ready, my balance statement. Put on my specs so you can see. Watch this. I want to show you what I call an important balance in this sermon. I don't endorse slavery. What did it say? I'm in no way endorsing slavery. I'm reading a story about four guys facing a challenge. We often speak from where we are and don't know anybody else in another circumstance. That's why I, I, I really believe in travel. I really believe in you going places. They don't speak your language, eat your food. They don't think like you at all. I had a friend the other day. He's, in, he's in, from in Indonesia, and we were all sitting there, and they're talking, and he said, I love Indonesia. He says, I would, uh, this is right outside of Jakarta. Jakarta. He says, I, I would prefer living there. I prefer the food. I prefer the people. They're, he says, he, and he's, he's in America talking about how much he loves his home country. Americans think everybody wants to be here. They're French people who love France. They're people who love their country. They're people who love where they're from. Not a lot of Africans I know love, love Nigeria, love Uganda, love. They love Zimbabwe. They love where they're from. They love the movement of the people. They think you don't move enough. You worship God on your seat. You got to get up and go. And I say, amen. Praise God. Cut loose. I'm so dry, you don't know you dry yet, praise God. You go back, African-American, you go back home, you'll really see something. You'll see people get up, and boy, when they get to getting low and down with it, man, I see, oh, Jesus, have mercy. Take me back home. All right, anyway, 
No, I really, I really didn't know. I did not know. I did not know what I did not know. I didn't understand how powerful Latin people are. I did not. I got some Latin friends. Let me tell you, I got, I got one. She's hilarious. She says, oh, shoot. <laughs> y'all think y'all got the fire. We got the real fire. And it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the engagement with cultures. You either be European, Asian. There's something about that whole process. So I, I, I got off a little bit there, but I want you to understand that there's something about valuing who you are. These guys are now being forced into an environment well, they're going to lose. They're tempted to lose who they are. We'll see next week. They don't, but the temptation's there. But now they're in slavery, and again, let me start saying I don't endorse slavery. Here we go. I don't endorse slavery or encourage people to stay in bondage, but sometimes you're in, you are, there's the preposition we forgot, you are in circumstances, write that in, you are in circumstances that will not change right now. What can you do to win in an unwinnable, hostile environment? What can you do to win in an in an unwinnable, hostile environment. You can't leave your family. You can't leave your circumstances this season. So what can you do? You can't. This is not a sermon about deliverance in the way Christians normally describe it. This is about a hostile environment that follows you all of your life. I can talk to you about leaving and victory and how God's going to, this is your day. But... Let's just pretend your son, based on the projections you currently see, you're going to be off for the next five years. Based on what you see right now, you, there's no current evidence that your husband is going to evolve to be a church godly, Holy Ghost filled person based on last night's drunkenness. You don't see that happening <laughs> at this point. <laughs> at this point, you, your uncle ain't trained coming to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Are you, you're not getting any more money. You know what I'm saying? You are in a circumstance. You, got, you, this, you need to go on this job Monday because you won't be, you know, in your house if you don't. You understand this is where you are today. You're single today. You're in a circumstance today. Today, 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 today. So here's how we must look at this. What do you do when you're in a hostile circumstance? How do you manage? How do you build a foundation when you're in a circumstance like this? Well, here's what you do. You ready? First of all, Balance your view of the miraculous. Now, here's what people struggle with. Uh, Pastor Rick, I'm struggling because I don't like you to tell me that God's not going to deliver me. Well, I understand that. I understand that. But here's what I want to argue. Okay, ready? Here you go. Because we balance this issue of the miraculous. Okay? How do you balance? Uh, the question is, how do you balance your faith in the miraculous with the realities of a long-term challenge? Sometimes you have a long-term challenge, but you believe in God's miraculous power. Anybody with me so far? How do you balance the two? You ready? Here's three things. You ready? One, number one. Remember the whole counsel of God. Say it with him, please. Come on. Acts 20 and 27 says that. And what's interesting is people tend to pick their favorite parts of the Bible. All the parts about deliverance, no part about trials. All the parts about victory, no parts about waiting. So we tend to pick our favorite parts, and that's what we preach and harp on. That's what made the faith movement good and dangerous. Because it harped on one side, didn't talk about the other side. Or deliverance ministries. They talk about deliverance, but never talk about, you know, running from a line and not getting away. And then the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it talks about both sides of that. It talks about the challenges of, of dealing with that. So some victories come in different ways. It's not always the same. Here's what Hebrews, chapter 11, says. Look at verse 13. You with me? All these, these, these people were still living by faith when they did what? died, Hebrews eleven thirteen. They did not receive the, the, the things promised. They didn't receive what was promised to them. Now, is that a bad thing? Uh, yeah, it is, I guess. But 
you don't get everything. Everything, everything. For example, here's something I've had to learn to accept. Everything this church will do, I will not get to do. Everything this church will ever do in life, I don't have to do. One more time. Everything this church will ever do, I don't have to do. I am not responsible for all your future victories. I will not lead you to every battle forever. There will be somebody I'll pass the baton to, and they'll take over. It's called secession. And you have to be willing and, under, and clear about that. You don't, ha- you don't have to believe in it. It's happening whether you want it to or not. The smart thing is to plan for it. So this idea that God's going to give me everything in my generation and I'm going to have every experience, I don't think that's true. And I think what we do is pick our favorite parts of the Bible and we forget this is, there's an earthly journey and then there's an eternal journey. I'm not going to fall forever be on this earthly journey. This is temporary. And all you have to do is talk to older people and they'll show you that. I'll look at the people around you who die and things happen and you go, wow. And so here's what happens. We, we have this miraculous expectation and get frustrated when God doesn't do everything we want to be done. So imagine you're these guys, you step into the circumstance, and now you are enslaved. You didn't do it, you didn't create it, now you're having this hostile environment, you're standing in New Mexico or wherever they put you, and now you're standing there. These guys are in, these guys are in modern-day Babylon, which is Iraq. They're, uh, Iran, I'm sorry, Iraq, Iraq, sorry. And so they're standing there, and they're, they're, so here we go, here we go. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do we think? Three things. You ready? Say learn, learn. The, expectations. the expectations. That's the first thing you do is you learn the, you learn the expectations. You've got to learn the expectations. You've got to learn what's expected in this new environment. Okay, so you're not going to quit the job. You're not going to leave the marriage. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to. Okay, good. So what do you do now? You can sit here and fight and lose your mind and be frustrated for years, or you can pause and you can learn the expectations. Learn what they expect from you. Learn. Learn. This is a moment of learning. I don't, I'm not empowered. I'm not in control. I have to learn. So please understand two things are going on. Number one, you've got these four guys learning to manage a, a moment that's hostile and difficult. And you've got this king guy, Nebuchadnezzar, who's also taking charge. And what he's going to do is he's going to build a new foundation for the people he just captured. And he has a standard. We're going to learn from this guy in a minute, okay? So you got two people building two foundations. One is advantaged, which is the king in charge. And then there's the disadvantaged people, the people that were captured. Both are building foundations. Are you with me? They're both learning each other. Now, from the standpoint of the person who's disadvantaged, that person has to really be clear about three things. They must, first of all, learn the new rules. Come on, say learn Learn. the new new expectations. expectations. And then secondly, flip your paper over for a minute. Secondly, say understand Understand. the goals goals. of those in power. So you want to understand their goals. What are these people trying to accomplish? That's important to you because you're in a disadvantaged position. You don't have the power. They can kill you at a moment's notice. They can fire you. They can walk away from you. You don't. So how do you, what is going to make this work? And thirdly, I must understand the whys of those in power. Say, please understand Understand. the whys. I need to be clear about the whys. 
I need to understand the whys. I'm not leaving. Okay, so we've got to make this work. I love the fact that in the Bible, you have people who are in a very unfair situation, but they won. And that's where I'm headed, okay? In the end, they win. In the end, they don't look like slaves. In the end, they don't feel like slaves. In the end, they have victory. But it's not the kind of victory that you think. For example, when Daniel walked out of the lions, he couldn't leave town. He couldn't say, I'm going to America. He couldn't just pack up. Daniel couldn't do that. Neither could Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they came out of the fiery furnace, we like to talk about that part, but they had to go back to work. You like Nehemiah, right? Right. Nehemiah came and left and built the wall, but he had to report in. He couldn't just do what he wanted to. These guys didn't have freedom. So learning to operate in a disadvantaged place is important. <clears throat> if I'm helping you, say amen. Now follow this. Go back to the top of the page. Let me show you, if I can, two things about the expectations. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. The king instructed, the king instructed Aspenaz, master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants. This is under number 1, under expectations. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. Brings, um, the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children to, of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might, watch this now, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. That's what he expected. That's what Nebuchadnezzar expected his man in charge to do. Find me people like this. And there are eight things he looked for. And I'll talk about those in a minute. Eight things. Secondly, notice he changed their name. So you should learn what they call you now, okay? You are now a secretary. That's your title. Now, you may not be that in your head. You may be a CEO. But on this job, you are a what? Secretary. You are a school teacher. You are a vice principal. Whatever you are, that's your title. Understand how they see you. Not how you see yourself. You get caught up in how you see yourself. That's not important. It's how they see you because you're at a disadvantaged place. Understand where you are, and that's where you are, okay? Now, now, now please be clear. When they changed their name, and you see this in chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 7, And the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael. He named him Meshach, and to Azariah he named Abednego. Now that, those are the names he gave them. So, okay, so I know my name, and now I know the expectations. These eight things. Let me tell you what helps everything be better. Knowing what's expected. Being able to say, okay, this marriage needs three things for this guy to be okay. Three things I've asked him. And these are the three things he needs. These are the four things she needs. And so if you're clear about those things, then you address them. And it helps bring down hostility. Because we don't have to have an issue about that. Diane only wants specific things from me. One was a day of connection. And so we have a day of connection. It's been Monday forever. And somebody asked me to do something the other day on a Monday. I said, yeah, can I do that on a Tuesday? Is that possible? Can we switch that around? Almost never, 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 never. And I know you can't. Some of you can't. You got. But when is it going to be? See, it's going to stay hostile until you know what's expected. What do my kids need? What, what is it that works for them? And so what I do in my life is I try to be clear about expectations. And I, I help people with that. I know that a lot of you want to 
reach out to the Pastor Rick, right? You want to reach me. So, so let me ask you a question. How do you catch Pastor Rick? How do you email him? What's my email address? Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. Now, see, you shouldn't all know that. You should all be saying it. I'm a preacher guy. I told you I did the best I could, but you can't say I didn't try. Can you say that? You can't. Because you can't, people tell people, well, just call. No, I'm coming to you. Call the email. I don't leave an email. Okay, well, praise God. Welcome to, to 2000, whatever this is. You know, I'm just trying to be a brother who's trying. Because phone calls are fine, but, you know, I got to be in one place. Got to wait for you to recall. I don't know when you're going to call. I got to sit by the phone and hope you call that day. You know what I'm saying? I got to make sure, you know. So what's my email address again? What is it? Pastor at what church? Overcomingbyfaith.org. Okay, I'm the pastor at what church? Overcome by faith, right? That's the pastor, .org. Now, I told you, as long as I can answer, I will. And I scare people all the time because I answer. Is this really you? What you think? <laughs> it's really me. And, I, and I, here's what I've learned. I, I've learned that if I understand you expect some access, we do have office. You can call. We can try to hook it up that way. But I'm just saying, I, at least I created a website. I create all these tools. I'm trying... I think you expect certain things. You expect to be out of here in a few minutes. You will be. I'm rolling. I get you out. That's your expect, and that's a fair expectation. So there are things that you expect. You expect when you ride by the property looks good, things are cut. You expect that. If I understand expectations, I change the room. I expect you to give. You expect me not to beg. How about an amen to that? Come on, say amen, right? How many say, you don't you know have to beg, Pastor? Raise your hand. Come on. Uh, the rest of y'all saying, I better beg, right? right? How many say, I ain't got to beg? I ain't got to say, hold on. See, that, that's just, you create an expectation so everybody understands, okay, this is the deal. He's going to say A, B, and C. Everybody understands the prioritizing offerings. If y'all like, can't do it, I'm going to get to it as soon as I can. I'm going to jump in the river with you. There's a clear sense of expectation. So that's why these four guys, if they were smart, they need to know what these eight things are. They, know, they, need to, they need to understand how they fit in these eight things. The problem is some of us don't care about anybody's expectations. You only care about what you expect. Your conversation is, I need a man to love me. What does a man need from you? I need a woman. To, well, you need a woman. Okay, what, do you, what does she need from you? Switch places. I need these children. I expect these children. What do these children expect from you? How about this? No public embarrassment. No cussing out. No, I'm going to beat you to death. How about that? Can we change that? I expect you to be nicer than me, mama. Can you ask me in a nicer tone? Didn't I tell you? you know, mama, can you just ask me to wash the dishes again without cussing? Can I get an amen, somebody? It's, it's, it, you know, you have, to, you have to understand all the expectations. All the children, clap your hand. Everybody clap your hand. Come on, amen. Everybody clap your hand, amen. It's how you ask me. It's how you ask me. It's your tone. And see, here, see, see now I want, you, I want to say this to you. See, it's when you flip it. It's when you, when you don't care. I don't care what you expect. You don't know when you're going to get out of church. It's when I finish, when the anointing's over. And you say, well, I know I ain't coming back next week. I know that. You pay that boy on. He don't know when to stop talking. So, <laughs> oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. When you go places, right, and your church always starts on time, it confuses you that they're thirty minutes late and they ain't start yet. You just look at what time we gonna start. It's thirty minutes. Jesus. And okay. Anyway, here we go. Nebuchadnezzar's expectations. You ready? Number one. He wanted ordinary people, just common people. He wanted people who were trained, people who were leaders, people who cared for themselves. He said, make sure they didn't know, I don't want people all spotted up with some blemishes. People who wash their face and stuff. I want those kind of people. <laughs> Clean their nails. I said, I don't want people with dirty nails. Don't, don't, don't mean none of those people. 
See, he's, notice how specific he is. He says, I want people that are that young people that are gifted with wisdom. I want, I want young people who are knowledgeable. I want, I want young, quick learners. Slow, quick, they, they can learn the language because they can't come over here speaking English. They got to speak Babylonian. No English. You have to learn a new language. I know that's the, those are the kind of people I want you to get. Now watch this now. He wanted people who could serve at the king's palace. Don't bring me people that can't serve, serve in here. Notice how clear he is. These are the things I want. Are you clear like that? Do people even know what you want? I preached a good sermon a few weeks ago about scripts, remember? You, you wrote a script and nobody knows what you wrote on it? You're mad, nobody knows why you're mad? That's because you wrote the script, nobody read it. Every time you meet somebody, I need somebody, you need to stop it. It's your script. This guy, I love him. I love this fact. He's clear now, which brings me to the second point. Not only do I need to understand what they expect, I need to understand their goals. That's important because, see, goals are important. Goals. Their goal was to have a mixture of talent. Say that with me, please. Come on. Their goal was to have a mixture of talent. He did not want all of one kind of, he didn't want just some nobles. He didn't just want young. He wanted old. He wanted people from different, he wanted people with the kings. He wanted a different mixture of people, a mixture. Secondly, their goal was to clearly articulate a clear vision. He wanted to say, listen, I don't want anybody to be mixed up in here. I want everybody to be clear. This is it. It's, a, it's, it's just everybody knows. When it's clear, it's amazing how people just respond. They just, they get it. Thirdly, their goal was to get the best, even if it meant discriminating. Everybody could not be chosen. Say that with me, please. Come on. Everybody cannot be chosen. Some of you, you know, <laughs> I don't know that you, I don't know that you've decided what you want. You can't have those kind of friends and get to that place. You can't, you can't be that kind of person to have that advantage. You just can't. You can't get angry at a job of a hat and cuss people when you feel like it. and be. You can't. No, nobody's going to hire you. Nobody, who's going to pay you what? You, you're locking yourself out of certain opportunities because you won't climb past that. If somebody has to remind you to come to work and remind you, who's going to promote you? Where, how are you where's the six-figure salary going to come from that? Where? People, people ask me to be a place, and they expect me to get a plane ticket. They expect me to be there on time. They expect that when the people come to pick me up at the airport that I'm there. They expect me to be prepared. They don't expect me to come in there studying. They expect me to be ready. They, they, they told me what I need to do. I don't need to come half ready if I, if, if I want to be invited again. And normally they don't invite you unless you've proven you will be there. So you need to understand there's certain things in your life, if you're not careful, you have not decided. I've decided what I, I, this is what I want in my life because these, these are my goals. That brings me to the wise. Nebuchadnezzar established these goals because he had reasons. These disadvantaged people, for a moment, have to understand this is the why. Ready? They wanted people that were gifted enough to help them. They wanted people wise enough to help them. They wanted people knowledgeable enough to help them. They wanted people quick enough to help them. I'm going to flip this for the first time in all the sermons. You ready? If you know the why, you're clearer. He hits me because he's insecure. That's why. He needs to have someone 
that he can dominate. Now, if the police was here, he wouldn't hit me. He found all kind of revelations in Jesus and everything. <laughs> Only reason he does, she does that because she can. She's been allowed to be violent all of her life. And, and ladies, you can look innocent, but I know y'all can be special. I know some wonderful Kung Fu sisters. I do. I've been a pastor for a long time. And I know exactly what I'm saying. You look holy and cute in here, but somebody make you mad, you'll swing as fast as a man will. <laughs> Get in his face, check him out, make it at you. Who you going to do? What you going to do? Better be glad I'm saved. I'll be upside your head. Praise God. Praise God. Throw a couple of praise gods in there to kind of sanctify your old gangster attitude. Trying to sanctify your gangster spirit. You got a gangster spirit on you, sister. <laughs> Act like you're not a gangster. You know you're a gangster. Ask your brothers who you beat up all their life and your sister that you bullied and still do at 50 years old. Still a gangster. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You just, you just gangbanging or didn't join the gang. That's all. <laughs> oh, it's in you, though. And you brag about it. I don't take nothing. Praise God. <laughs> all you got to do is make a sign. That's all, man. You, you a crip. Brim, blood. <laughs> yes, you got that in your spirit. <laughs> What's sad is the why for you is tied to abuse. The why for you, so you got to understand the why's. That won't happen to you again. So you got a raw high side to you that's damaging everything in front of you is cutting off your ability to build new paths is stopping you from building a better foundation it's robbing you because you have gotten lost in this and you've never faced it you are lazy oh, buckle up you are trifling you, are, you, you disappoint yourself and those around you and here's why you like that because you never were taught you could do it without being that way. You borrow money, you don't pay them back. You, don't, you lie, you don't tell the truth. You manipulate, use guilt. Parents do it, older people do it. Guilt your kids into giving you money you should earn for yourself. I use that word trifling and painfully because my mama used to use it. Who does to hate when she said that? Good God Almighty. Don't be lazy. You know it's coming. Trifling. <laughs> trifling. <laughs> you just go through the trifling. trifling. <laughs> Woo, like an earthquake. Trifling. And she could say it, boy, in a way to just go through you like a knife, man. Don't you be trifling, boy. Somebody got to wake you up and tell you you go to work. Get up and you go on your own. I am a single parent. And I do not have time to go to your school. So let me tell you right now. She was short too, but I was scared of her. She said, listen. She said, you, I don't have time. I can't get off work. 
I'm cleaning houses in Beverly Hills and Encino and these folks' houses, and I'm a maintenance person, and I don't have time nor the money to come and fix you. So when you go to school, here's what I need you to do. Listen. And if you don't listen and they call me, me and you're going to have a meeting. And she meant that thing. She's a crazy little woman. She meant that thing. She, was, she, she meant that. So I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm going to put this key in your pocket. When I put this key in your pocket, I'm going to put this key right here in the pocket. And I need you to come home. And you get out of school 2.30. I don't get off till 5. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pin this key in your pocket. And I expect you to be in this house. You can go out for this long, but I expect you to be in the house. Okay? And I'm going to show you how to heat up some stuff because you're going to learn how to heat it up. I was in the third grade. So she knows what she did. She put it in the pocket. When I came to the door, I was so scared, I was opening the door. (laughs) I was scared, man. Jesus, <laughs> taking that key out, not me. Look, mommy's still in there, man. Mommy's still in there. <laughs> You've got to learn how to manage hostile environments. The three things I hope you take from this sermon. You ready? Number one, you must learn how to manage your current challenges. And they're here today. They're going to stay here for a minute. Learn how to manage this boy, this issue. Set up some ground rules. Number two, you must learn how to understand those that have power over you. You need to understand where you're at. Understand the boundaries. Then thirdly, you must trust God during hostile seasons. Trust him that, that, that God will help you. God will be with you. Trust God during hostile seasons that last longer than you desire. Next week, I'm going to show you how to get trained. There's an interesting thing. Um, how to build a better foundation in a hostile environment. The third thing you have to do is be trained. I had a friend come by the other day, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And he's dangerous. He can fight. He really can fight. And he don't look like it. But he can hurt you. And so... We were talking about something in the Word, and he asked me a, a, some kind of question, and he said, I can't. He said, I something he couldn't do it. So I said, stand up for a second. So I said, I said, put your hands up. So he put his hands up, and he had his hands against mine. And so what I was striving to do was trap him, and I swung his, was going to swing his arm around the goal, swing his arm, get his elbow put. And he, la- he laughed at me like, really, Temple? <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he countered me. Then he stepped in. He stepped into me this way. And so he, he was trying to trick, he was really trying to jack me up. So, and so we're, we're all alone in here. And, and I said, now see, how do you know how to do that? He said, I've been trained. I said, that's the same way you went spiritually. I said, if you've been trained, you know how to move. You, your, your footwork, your movement, you, you, you know what to look for. There's a certain way that you, and he said, I said, use that spiritual principle too. The same way you learn. Come on, church, you hear what I'm saying? The same way you learn you got to learn how to step in. Stand on your feet. We're about to go home. God is a good God. Next week, I'm going to show you how to be trained. So we're learning karate next week. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Father, I thank you today. 
I thank you for everything that you've allowed me to say to your people. I thank you for everything you've allowed me to teach today. I pray that people would leave this place and they would say, God, I'm going to manage these hostile moments. I'm going to learn how to look at the world around me and figure out what the expectations are, figure out the whys, understand the goals of my enemies and those I have to manage. And I'm going to adjust my life to be a winner. Teach me how to win in a hostile environment the way you taught Daniel and his three friends. And we believe, God, you're going to help us build a better foundation. So we thank you and we praise you with every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know your Savior, never gave their life to Jesus, but they want to today, let this be the moment that they say, Jesus, come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I want to be that person that gives his life to Jesus today. I want you to pray for me. Raise your hand. I want to pray for people today. Say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I see your hand. Anybody else saying, I need, I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. I see, I see five, I seven or so or more. Father, I pray for all who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. May this be the beginning of a new life for those here and at home. Thank you for your ability to heal. Thank you for your ability to deliver. I pray in Jesus' name that the grace of God would be present in their life and they'd open their hearts. Lift those hands up high. Father, we lift our hands and leave with faith today, believing that you've made the difference in our life. Train us to win. Train us to win in uncertain times. Train us to win in hostile environments. Train us to overcome fear. Train us to be fighting soldiers who are not afraid. We thank you, oh God, for your presence. and We thank you for our future. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen. That helped you today. Good stuff. Praise God.